You're now listening to the Spirit-Filled Sales and Entrepreneur Podcast, where any line between the natural and the supernatural is erased. All right, welcome to the Spirit-Filled Sales Professionals and Entrepreneurs Podcast. And we have with us a very special guest, Tim Porter. He is... I mean, he's honestly a forerunner in the business and church realm. He's been pioneering this movement. He's even wrote a book called God's Business Revival and really is all about tearing down the dividing wall between the church and business and repairing the breach. He's an apostolic prophetic teacher. Uh, he's worked with some some people like uh, Lance Wall now in the business movement and uh, just really excited to have him on here and just share. So Tim, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you. I know you work with a lot of businesses to, you know, establish businesses to help them find money that they didn't even know that they had. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just really thankful to have you on here. Oh, it's great to be here and it's great to meet you. Uh, this is the first time we've met and, uh, and it, this is awesome. I, I enjoy meeting people like you. Yeah. You know, you're like a rare gem. I've, I've been, browsing around Instagram, looking at different hashtags, like kingdom business. I end up stumbling upon you. I'm like, wow, these people exist, man. Like I'm so <laughs> thankful that uh, God is, God is speaking about the things that he's put upon our hearts and in business and expanding his kingdom and uh, even revival and what that's going to look like in the business world. So, well, imagine um, having, imagine having to do that before Al Gore invented the internet. Because yeah. um, you can, if you can imagine, you know, because it was 20 or 30 years ago, brother, that I started looking around at some of this stuff. And I was looking for people like me. And I'm like, I'm the only one, you know, so but God yeah. put some amazing people in my path. And we can talk about a little bit about that. So yeah. Um, so, you know, that that would be awesome just to kind of hear your journey. Like, you know, as a believer, one, there's there's one big journey that everybody goes through that that, that we go through in our stream is like, you, you suddenly wake up to the fact that God is supernatural and wants to speak today. And there's all that kind of stuff. That's a huge awakening. But then, then there's the awakening of, Oh, God's not just in church. I mean, he's in business. He wants to do crazy wild stuff in business. So why don't you just share a little bit about your journey in both of those areas? And uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh yeah. I would love to. So, um, you know, listen, I'm one of these kids that grew up in church. Okay. Uh, not only did I go to church, but uh, I was raised in a, went to a private Christian school. My parents committed to that and it was awesome. And I so thankful I had that opportunity from pre-kindergarten through my senior year and then went to a Christian liberal arts college. Uh, but the, um, but it wasn't until about junior high, you know, that I kind of got this little bit of a wake up call in God where God really became real to me. Cause I was saved at four. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what does a four-year-old know? Um, but I really got this wake up call and um, I had this incredible vivid dream of God just saying, I got you, I'm taking care of you. And, and uh, um, so it was wow. absolutely life shattering for me. And I realized, okay, there's more than just this salvation thing. Now, back then I was, yeah. I was, a um, uh, I was heavily involved in uh, for a couple of years, the Nazarene church. And so still have some great friends, in the Nazarene church today. In fact, I was a local preacher, in the Nazarene church in, in college, but I, so that was kind of the sanctification moment. If you want to use a holiness, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so we'll get real churchy for a second and use yeah. this whole sanctification thing. But yeah. then when you really start digging into it, now we have to talk about what your calling is. All right. Mm. And so to dig into this, what we really have to realize is that from a um, knowledge standpoint, we have to know what some of these words mean. And one of the words uh, that is uh, when you start looking into uh, the word calling and the Latin and the, and everything behind that yeah. short yeah. version is, you know, this is that the, is it the word occupation and calling are really kind of the same thing. It's what you're meant. It's, it's what you're meant to do. So yeah. here, so imagine this, this church kid growing up, I graduated from Bible college. I met this girl that I thought I was supposed to marry. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was wrong, but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But, yeah. <laughs> but here I graduated from this Christian liberal arts college. And this guy comes up to me and says, uh, Hey, are you looking for, um, are you looking for a way to make any extra money? 
And I'm thinking, I'm a, I just graduated from college. I just graduated being a broke college student. Yeah. What, you know, what's going on. And the, here's the crazy thing, bro, is that I find myself a couple months later, I find myself in this arena of people during a weekend sales conference. All right. And this yeah. weekend sales conference, and I don't know whether it was maybe Norfolk or Richmond. I know it was on the East coast at the time I lived in, I lived just outside of Indianapolis at the time. So it was a drive and uh, anybody that's familiar with that area knows that I probably had to take the Pennsylvania Turnpike, which is one of the worst roads in America. But, you know, so there's a struggle to get there. And then I find myself on Sunday morning at this at this raw, raw, motivational weekend sales thing. And yeah. it was and, and this guy speaks and he's preaching and there's a worship service. And I'm in this arena of 10 or 20,000 people. I don't know. All I know is that I see more than a thousand people come forward at the end of this service to find, to, to find Jesus. And I'm like, and my mind is blown. It's like, okay, God, wait a second. Man. This doesn't happen at church. Okay. Yeah. We don't yeah. have, I don't have, I, you know, there's, listen, this is okay. It's like, I'm looking around. It's like, is Billy Graham going to walk out in a second? What, what's yeah, going right? on here? Because wow. this is a lot more like an old fashioned Billy Graham crusade, Yeah. but yeah. it's, but everything is all about premise. Now that morning was a non-required <laughs> meeting on Sunday morning and it was billed and it was billed as come and learn the secrets of the business. And so that was my first exposure. And that was, that was 30 years ago that I uh, really had had that exposure. I'm like, God, what, what is this? So that incubated in my mind for about, wow. for about 10 years. Okay. I had some sales success along the way. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember one job, for example, I actually got let go because I was making too much money. I was making more money than the officers and the vice president of the company. And so they wow. were, um, and come to find out they did that to the, they did the exact same thing to the guy who let me go to my boss, to the person who was there before me, the person who was there after me, they let us all go because we were making too much money. So, um, and it, it, uh, pretty, pretty crazy, but the bottom line is that, you know, I go through all this journey and then, and then I, like you start seeking out and like, God, I can't get this out of my head. I can't get this. Um, uh, I can't get this, this whole, you're working through business thing out of my head. I need, God, you got to send me some stuff. You got to, I got to figure out who's going. And I'm like you, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I mean, you know, 20 years ago, the internet was totally different. So I'm like searching through some stuff yeah. on the internet, trying to figure <laughs> out what, trying to figure out what's going, trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, I run across a couple of things. Um, I run across uh, a guy by the name of Lance Wallnow, um, who was doing a radio show called Christian Business Daily with a guy by the name of Michael Q. Pink. Um, hmm. If you don't know who those two names are, everybody needs to know who those two names are. Yeah. Uh, they were doing conferences and other things together. Uh, Michael Q. Pink is one of the best uh, uh, Christian business guys in the, in the world. Um, wow. And uh, he has uh, one of his books is um, he just started a new venture called uh, Jesus School of Business, I think is the correct name, just wrote a new series of books on God's secrets. And uh, he, one of his claim to fame is he wrote a book called uh, Selling Among Wolves, which is a fantastic sales book for a Christian. So wow. um, anyway, so I find these guys. And then I find this guy by the name of Peter J. Daniels out of Australia, who I eventually got to know a little personally. Peter, Dr. Dr. Daniels, uh, is a billionaire who was an illiterate, illiterate bricklayer at 26, went to a Billy Graham crusade, woke up the next day, realized he was a child of a king and taught himself to read. And uh, wow. even though he was colorblind, at one time sold more paint in the, in the country of Australia than anybody else. Just his story is absolutely, absolutely amazing. So here's the thing. Like you said, when you realize that God is going to show up in business, Okay. And that was when I kind of woke up. That's that's So I had this awakening that actually took over, you know, took decades. And so, but Mm -hmm. when I realized that when God was going to show up in business, that it was then became my responsibility to have that expectation. If I just get up and go to work on Monday morning or Tuesday morning, okay. Or I just go out on a sales call and I don't expect God to show up. What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what am I doing? I just, oh man, this reminds me, it's, it's, it's reminds me of a, a, 
I had a roommate one time, loved the guy, absolutely fantastic guy. In fact, he was going to ministry school, but we had a difference in theology. And um, he, we were talking one day and he goes, well, I pray, but I don't expect God to answer. Mind blown. The point. Exactly. Mind blown. And the point being is that is it is that if that's the case, you're absolutely correct. There is no point. Yeah. And if we are if we are really to do what God has for us to do, then we need to walk in every day at work. We need to go on every sales call. We need to spend every moment with the ex, with the expectation that God's showing up. Now, yeah. let, me make, let me make something clear. I don't do this perfectly. Right. Okay. Yeah. But I look for people that I can rub elbows with, okay, who have done it because mm-hmm. I want to learn from them, like you. Okay. I want to learn from you. Michael Pink, who I talked about a minute ago, one of his one of his first jobs when he realized a lot of this kingdom stuff was yeah. he actually sold copiers, I think maybe in Nashville. Um, mm. and he did unheard of things in the copier in the copier industry. And his as a brand new guy who had never sold copiers before. Uh, had a um, 100% closing rate his first month or two and wow. blue sales, <laughs> sales numbers out of the water and finished his first year uh, as the number one sales guy in the company with a closing rate of like 97%. Incredible. Um, again, a story, I share this because there are other people's stories and I like to research other people's stories, whether it's Michael Pink, uh, Dr. Daniels, Lance Wallnow, or, um, you know, uh, even folks who are more, uh, even other folks from years ago, like RG Letourneau, um, or who was a construction, who was a construction and, and built, had a tractor manufacturing company or mm-hmm. um, Letourneau, Letourneau University in, in Texas, that's named after him. The, okay. uh, or whether today, Dave Hodgson, who's a billionaire in Australia today, who's got, who's doing the kingdom thing. Thing, uh, par excellence. So, you know, so I, so yeah, so search when you start searching, you need to find this stuff. Now, I, we can dig into God's word, brother, but I'm going to stop for a second um, and see what questions you've got, what, what question you've got for me next, because I can just, you can tell I'm on fire about this. Stuff. Yeah, no, this is so good. I'm, <laughs> I'm absolutely loving everything that you're saying. It's like you're the absolute right person for this podcast to come on here and just share your heart because that's, that's what this is about. So what, how did you, so you started connecting with these individuals and what did life look like for you in business after having that awakening? Here is a disclaimer. Um, sometimes an awakening causes you to see things around you that you don't want to see. Mm -hmm. In other words, in today's vernacular, if I go through life woke, it means I've got blinders on and I'm really just, I'm really not paying attention to the truth and what's going on. Yeah. But once I'm awake, okay, we'll use the matrix analogy. I've swallowed the red pill. Okay. And yeah. now I know, and now I, now I actually see what's really happening. So for me, it, it really, it really was the beginning. It was just the beginning of a journey. I was now able to reframe my journey totally differently. Um, and so, and there's been good to that because God has blessed me and there's been challenges with that because I've had to say, I've had to say, Whoa, wait a second. I can't go that direction. If that's, if that's what I'm supposed to do, you know, I moved, I'm, I'm one of these crazy people that moved to Los Angeles in the last yeah. couple of years. Okay. And so I moved to Los Angeles a little, little less than three years ago. And God and I had a long conversation about that. So just warning. Okay. If you yeah. decide to really embrace God in anything in life, anything, I mean, it, there's, it's not, it won't be boring. I can promise you that. It will, not, it will it will not be boring so yeah. it's 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 been an awesome journey it's been an awesome journey um and, and i'll leave you with one last thing on this question is that one of the things though that i really 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 because again i grew up in the church and i grew up around a lot of baptists and presbyterians i actually was raised mennonite okay and mm. so one of the things i said god okay if all this stuff is if all this business stuff these people are teaching is true what I want to know is I want you to show me this in your word. 
and I have found some amazing thing things about business and God's work. So let's, let's hear that. You know, I think one of the things, you know, you wrote the book, God's business revival, and I'm curious how you came upon writing that book and what your heart was. And I know that you have a lot of, a lot of scripture throughout that just builds a framework for what you're going to share. So yeah, go ahead and just keep sharing, man. This is great. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, and it's because God has put this stuff on my heart and I just, I, all I can do is all I can do is just share, you know, the kind of the book writing journey for me, mm-hmm. um, a little bit more of a story was that I, uh, a few years ago, um, God said, okay, you know, I'm going to, uh, in fact, it was about 10 years ago, God said, okay, I'm sending you to Florida. I need you to leave this sales job. I need you to pick up and move to Florida. And I'm like, what? You know, so now I lived, I lived in Chicago at the time and there was about 40 (laughs) snow on the ground. And so he didn't have to argue with, I didn't have to argue with him a whole lot, but yeah. Point being is that I go through this whole experience with God in Florida um, for a reasonably short period of time. And I come out of that and God says, okay, I need you to do two things for me now that I've got your attention. I need you to go back and get your MBA and I need you to get ordained. And I'm like, what? God, I don't want to go back to school. I do not want to go back. I do, God, let me make this clear. I do not want to go back to school. Yeah. And, and, and God, I, the ordination thing that's on you you know are you saying you want me to log online you want me to get one of those little quick certificates to be able to marry people online Five bucks yeah, yeah exactly yeah. What, what what are we what are we what are we talking about yeah so and he said this he said tim the mba is that's your credentials in the business world your ordination that's your credentials in the church world and i need you to bridge the gap between the two well, wow. I went back and got my MBA after I finished my MBA. I basically had a miraculous experience where I stumbled onto the Kingdom Business Association, uh, part of Rick Joyner's ministry in Fort Mill, South yeah. Carolina, and uh, and wound up being asked to be ordained with that group as a marketplace minister. And so um, I've been ordained with them for a few for a few years now. But something I never would have dreamed, and just what's like couldn't get more right down right down my yeah. alley. But through this process, God said, okay, now, now I need you to share everything you learned the last 20 years. I'm like, what? And so I want you to write a book. I said, God, we had this discussion once before. I didn't want to write the papers for the MBA. I Mm. do not want to write a book. Yeah, I know you don't want to write a book, but I need you to do it anyway. Yeah. Well, we all know who wins in those arguments. Of course. So um, I've actually worked on three books and the first one has yet to be published. And that's the one that I started writing a few years ago called God's Business Revolution. And I use that, I use that title very purposely. Here's why. Yeah. Revival is motivation. Reformation is information. Yeah. Revolution is transformation. Wow. And we really need to transform the way we do business. Now the COVID hit. And in March of 2020, I had been here in Los Angeles for about literally six months. Okay. And uh, I was, you know, quite frankly, uh, some things hadn't worked out the way financially that I thought they would. And plus COVID. And I'm like, okay, we got this whole economic shutdown. And God's like, I need you to write. I'm like, God, I haven't published the other book yet. What do you mean you want me to write? So in 2020, I wound up. I wound up self-publishing a book called God's Business Faith and then followed up with God's Business Revival in 2021. And those books, as you alluded to, are extremely scripturally heavy. Yeah. And I do that on purpose because we really, really, really need to realize that because people need permission to bring God into business. I don't know why they think that other than the fact that Satan has clouded their judgment bottom line is this is that people subscribe to um greek thinking where there's a separation between the secular and the sacred and the hebraic and the hebraic culture there is no there is no difference between the between the secular and the sacred right for example you know for example so we start digging in and for example there's some simple stuff like simple stuff like the hebrew word of voda uh, means both work and service and worship. 
All right, it means all those means all those things. Uh, the root word for service or for work in or worship in in it's the same root word in Greek as well. There's slight variations of it in Greek, but you know, so we so we start seeing there's this whole crossover between the two. Like, okay, God, this is blowing my mind. What else? What else do you want to show me here? Yeah, you know, and then we get to the point where we talk about well, what's the meaning of the word? What's the meaning of the word uh, peace? In the Old Testament, well, it's shalom. A lot of people right. know that shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken. Yeah. It's a wholeness. It's more than just absence of war. Okay. Right. Well, then right. we then we dig into the New Testament, and the word for peace in the New Testament is arene, and that yeah. word means the exact same thing. It means wholeness. It means complete. It means prosperity. It means it means nothing missing. It's the same. It's the same yeah. word. So all of a sudden, yeah. I'm like, wait a second here. So I'm supposed to be a peacemaker and a rainy maker. Wait a second. I'm supposed to be a shalom maker. I'm supposed to be somebody who is, uh, who goes out and is actively making things whole, mm. making things prosperous, making things, making things full, Come making on. things calm. You know, if, if, yeah. If, so if, if, which is a total, which now we have a totally different mindset. And that is right. You, and you're so, saying the peacemaker is not just about calming people down. <laughs> Being a peacemaker is about bringing prosperity and wholeness to cultures, to businesses, to nations, to families. Exactly. Exactly. And we're supposed to be discipling nations, which means we're supposed to be decides. How do you disciple an ethnos or a people group? You disciple, you disciple them by, by discipling their culture. And mm. so, other other religions have this figured out. The Mormons have it figured out. The 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 Muslims have it figured out, but Christians don't. And so there's like, ah, no, <laughs> we don't want to. We we don't want to get involved in politics or business. That's too messy. Meanwhile, what's meanwhile? What's Jesus doing? I mean, could you could you have been any more involved in poly, in socioeconomic change than Jesus was? Wow. Wow. Well, anyway, so uh, in fact, there's the verse that the kingdom of God is what it's righteousness, doing the right thing, yep, peace. Arena, fullness, prosperity, uh, making things happen in a full way for good. And the last thing is joy. It's righteous. It's righteous. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. You can't spell, you can't spell it out any more, any more plain, any more plain than that. So anyway, so I start digging and I keep digging and God keeps revealing these things over and over and over to me again. And I'm just like, okay, okay, God. All right. You know what? And this is this title of your podcast here is spirit filled, spirit filled, right? And so we got to dig into Acts 2, got to talk about it, right? So so I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to open up Acts 2, and I want you to show me here in Acts 2 what's going on here. Because when I grew up, I thought this was a hippie commune where they brought all their money and they put it all in one pot, laid it on the tables, and the disciples said, here's $10 for you, here's $10 for you, here's $10 for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I start digging and I encourage everybody, if you are serious about God's word, two things. One, don't get hung up on one version of the Bible because they're all wrong, because they're (laughs) all a man-made translation. Okay, so unless you have an original Greek manuscript that Mark wrote himself, then forget it. It's good. There's going to be a there's going to be a mistake in it. So keep that in mind. Don't get hung up on one translation. And two invest in some sort of lexicon or concordance with Greek and Hebrew references where you can look the, you can look up the original meaning of some of these words. You've got yeah. to do, if you really want to study God's word, do those two things. Yeah. So I started, I've done this for years. In fact, it was kind of my, when I was in eighth grade for eighth grade graduation, my grandmother asked me what I wanted. And I said, I said, grandma, I want a Strong's exhaustive concordance with geek, with Greek and Hebrew numbers. And she's like, Okay, she was real proud of her grandson at that moment, right? And so, um, really, remember, remember getting this really thick, really thick paper paperback book. Yeah, those weren't um, cheap either. You know, ex- no, they weren't. Especially back then, they were not. They weren't. They weren't. It's like cheap. a PlayStation so, back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So it was. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. No, it was not cheap, and and but it was one of my favorite gifts of all time. And that's awesome. And really started me on this. Really started me on this journey. So Acts two, man. Oh. Just, I'm just going to hit some highlights here as we run yes. through Acts 2, Acts 4, and Acts 6, okay? Right. So, Acts, so first of all, we have to realize how much commerce was going on. I write about this in God's Business Revival. There's three keys. You want revival? 
There's three keys to revival in Acts chapter two, four, and six, okay, in the book of Acts in its entirety. But the three keys to revival are the anointing, yeah, boldness, and commerce. That's the wow. ABCs: anointing, boldness, and commerce. So let's talk wow. about let's talk about commerce, okay? Because I'm not gonna. This is a spiritual podcast. Anybody who's watching this, you know about the anointing. You know yep. about. We're gonna assume you know about Peter's boldness, where he couldn't even talk to a little servant girl, yeah. and now he's talking to leaders and titans of industry. But um, how does commerce play into all that? That's so yeah. And so if you first of all. There's the surface stuff. If you just read through the chapters, there's the surface stuff where people are selling their they're selling uh, they're selling things and bringing the money in. Okay, so yeah. there's some. So it's like okay, yeah, there's some commerce going on here, God. But you know, how do I know this isn't a hippie com- hippie commune here? And they're all just standing around uh, the campfire yeah. singing, 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 singing "Kumbaya," yeah, burning it's, their money. It's like a socialist and, gathering. Exactly. Yeah. And so, because we just have assumed that that's what it was, because well, quite frankly, that's what we've been taught. Um, yeah. we've been taught that directly or taught, or taught that by default. Right. So let's just dig into the meanings of some words there. First okay. of all, what we have to do is when these people came in, they brought their, they brought their stuff in and they sold some lands and they sold some things. Well, those words in there, for example, one of those words for lands, that, that means a state. Okay. They didn't sell their only piece of land that they had. All right. They sold a piece of land of mm. an estate. Okay, these were some of the most wealthiest people around. Speaking of which, if you study the history of where the upper room was, it was in the high rent district of town. Okay, and it was in, and the person, it was a private home, and that person's private home was large enough to hold to hold 500 people at one point upstairs in this in this private room okay and so you so it was a huge house that they had so this yeah. all this, pentecost took place in a high rent district with a bunch of with, with, a, <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a bunch of traveling businessmen from all over the world okay Come it, on. Says, it says they it says they they heard everything in their own language and they it names all the languages right and so yeah. but these these were all traveling businessmen from all they were in town for a Sunday school convention, all yeah. right? They were in town on business, all right? This they were in awesome. town on business and that's why they were there. And, and that's, what, that's what was going on. And so this was a huge, huge marketplace where all, where all this stuff broke out in Acts, chap- in Acts chapter two. So then we dig into these other words in there, okay? And we dig into, yeah. then we dig into the word koinonia, which is fellowship. Now, mm-hmm. fellowship, if you, the word koinonia, it means fellowship, it means communion, it means intercourse, it means sharing, um, but there's also another aspect of it, and basically, it, mean, it basically, that other aspect is a beneficial, it's a mutually beneficial monetary exchange. Okay. Okay. Where did I get that? By looking up to see what the original word, what the original koinonia means in the little in my little Greek dictionary, not the one my grandma got me, my iPhone. But are, saying, are you saying the word means sales? I'm saying the word. I'm saying what the. I'm saying what the word. I'm saying what the word koinonia means. Yeah. Is, com- is commerce. Okay. Because if you look up the definition of commerce, guess what it means? Literally, Google the definition of commerce. It means it will. It actually says communion, intercourse, community financial stuff okay that's what all the, word the same exact that, meaning that's what Indian. that's what the word commerce means so the word so what we so what so this this whole point in the thing again we're thinking that they're sitting around the campfire singing kumbaya but hmm. the bottom line is no they were everything they were they had they had everything in common what does that mean that that doesn't mean that they owned everything with a title of comp with a title of commonality okay or they held like you hold a house and you hold a house or a property in common no 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 no. what that means is you and i have stuff in common with each other that's yeah. what it means okay you and right. i have you and i have stuff in common with each other that's that's what the whole so they had all this they had all these things in common with each with each other and they spent their lives like this doing business, doing life, doing education, doing philosophy, doing everything together. So koinonia and commerce mean the same thing. So let's dig a little bit farther. Yeah, let's do it. There is that famous verse there where it says they brought the money in and then they gave to everyone as they had need. Mm. 
well, we talked about really what was going on, where they sold lands and they brought the money in and laid at the disciples' feet or whatever so that they could do what, the, what they were doing. And, but the word need there, it's very, very interesting. That yeah. word need in the Greek means employment or business. It's just, it's interesting. It's a one word definition in, in the lexicon where it says employment. The one King James version says employment. The NSA, the NASB version says that it means business. Regardless, it's the same thing. So they gave to everyone as they had employment or as they had business. In other words, they, their businesses thrived. They thrived as an employees because the disciples made sure that the, that the, that everybody was functioning in that this commerce thing was taking place. Now here's the crazy wow. thing. If you really want to get your mind blown about how God works in your life and you want God to show up, yeah. then you go, go to Philippians where it says God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. Yes. Yeah. But that word there is the exact same word where it says, God will supply all my need according to my employment, according to my business. Okay. So if that's not a reason to start a business, I don't know what is, or to get into sales. I don't know what is because God uses employment and business as a tool to help take care of you. Deuteronomy, uh, we know the verse that he yeah. gives us power to create wealth. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the, here's the New Testament version of that verse is that he's going to jump into your business and show up and show out if you, if you let him and you, and you invite him in. But see, that's not even the best part. That's so good. <laughs> we dig, if we jump over, if we, so, so what a backstory here. Yeah. The world when Jesus came was ridiculously corrupt. And we yeah. could get into the history of what happened in the immediate 400 years, immediately prior to Jesus showing up, kind of the cone of silence, uh, yeah. <laughs> where nothing right. happened. Um, but um, the bottom line is this, is that what had happened was that things had morphed into, uh, with, the, with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the ruling class in, in, in Palestine at the time, and the ruling and, and the Romans, that there, that there became a, uh, uh, there became this ridiculous, heavy uh, oligarchy that ruled at that time. Okay. And uh, more of a feudal type system where um, basically the folks in charge uh, the, the folks in DC ran everything and everybody else was at their beck and call. And so what happened was, okay. was that there wound up being this multiple taxation system, for example, and the multiple taxation system, the Romans realized, Hey, you're already taxing your people well enough. We're just going to say, we don't want to cut of it. So the Romans weren't dumb. The Romans said, no, I'll tell you what, we're going to conquer you and we're going to conquer your land, but here's the deal. We're going to leave you in charge because you're doing such a good job collecting money from all these people. We're just going to let you keep doing it. We just want our, we just want our cut too. So there wound up being this multi-layer of taxation system that was there. And that's why there's mentioned tax collectors so many times, so many times, obviously, in the New Testament, mm -hmm. is that it was, yeah. it was a tax collecting was a huge, huge part of society. Was yeah. it corrupt? Absolutely. Yeah. There was a ton of corruption. In fact, they were so heavily taxed and so heavily, so heavily taxed that they would that they people would sell their children into slavery. Okay. I mean, you literally had human trafficking. And so there's all these different wow. things going on. And you hear stories about them charging for healing at the temple and doing all these types of things. And so Jesus came into this huge corrupt world. Ezekiel says there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Um, I say there's, I say that there's everything, uh, everything new under the sun because he causes us to be a new creation. Now, yeah. Jesus, when he read Isaiah 61, he basically threw the gauntlet down to the church leaders and the socioeconomic leaders of the day. He said, he said, free the captives, take care of the oppressed, heal the sick and all this list of things. Okay. Yeah. And he said, I'm here to do this. I'm laying down the gauntlet. I'm here. He was, he was trash talking them. He was in their <laughs> face saying, I'm here to fulfill this because yeah. you guys aren't, you guys aren't doing it right. Wow. And because they were charging for healing and charging for all this stuff that were taking place. The one of the most common things that would happen would be that when they brought the sacrifices into the temple. Okay. Yeah. So, so people travel all over, you know, Mary and Joseph traveled because they yeah. had to come back, you know, blah, blah, blah. And 
So they needed a sacrifice to, you know, or whoever needs a sacrifice when they travel to town so they can go to the temple and do their sacrificial thing. Mm -hmm. And, but if you travel with a lamb or even pigeons or whatever, then you've got, then they're not, they're going to be blemished by the time they get there. So there was this whole business of raising uh, non-blemished sheep, for example. In fact, that's who, the, that's who the shepherds were that the angels went to visit. They were herding the temple sheep. And so there was this whole wow. business where, oh, don't worry about it. You show up, you just bring the money, and we've got the perfect sheep here for your sacrifice. You've got the lambs here for your sacrifice that don't have blemishes on them. So you just show up and bring the money. Well, guess what? They overcharged for them. Yeah, guess of what, course. Guess what, else, guess what else they did? They wound up uh, they wound up having to exchange money because, you know, there wasn't a common currency of the day. So they would come in and they'd have to do the money exchange. And they say, okay, well, let's change this, this, this amount, you know, this currency for this currency. And then you can, so they would raise the price on the currency chain, they'd raise the price on the animals for sacrifice. And this stuff just, just over and over and over again. And people became so, so, so they take out loans on the property and they become taxed. They become so, so, so dependent upon wow. the socioeconomic leaders of the, of the day. And so it was, Jesus came to absolutely abolish all this corruption. That's and funny. that's, and that's really why he showed up. And that's what he did, because let's talk about the, so the, one of the famous stories is Jesus going into the money changers. Yeah. Keep in mind, and again, we're going to go definition of words here. Keep in mind that when that the word tables, okay. Listen, when I read this word, I thought the same thing everybody else did. I thought one of those folding tables in the church basement that you put some metal chairs around, okay? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the word table there is actually the root word there is where we get our word bank. These tables were actually benches. These benches literally weighed about 2,000 pounds or over a ton, and they were really heavy, lockable, secure wooden benches. Whoa. It was a bank. Okay, that's where they stored their money. Think of a safe. Think of something that couldn't be broken into because they would lock things in these things Mm. and leave. So so when Jesus came in, all right, the first miracle he did there, was that he single-handedly? This is the this is the unspoken miracle that's not that we don't see here. He he turned over these benches that weighed two thousand pounds single-handedly. Okay, so, <laughs> that's I mean, some Samson stuff I'm, going exactly, on. Exactly right. Yeah. So, so that's so that's the first thing he did. Now here's the here's that's the, crazy. Here's the crazy part. Here's the here's that's not crazy enough. Here's, <laughs> here's the other. This crazy is so good. Piece. When the tables, when, and this is you know, just in general, if somebody was having, if somebody's business wasn't going that well, okay, if somebody's business wasn't going that well, and they were going out of business, and they ran out of money to exchange or whatever, and they were out of business for the day, they would literally turn over or flip the bench. And they were said to be bankrupt. Jesus came through, and in this act of physical strength, said, I am bankrupting you. I am bankrupting what you're doing because it's not what's supposed to, because you're doing it corruptly. See, Jesus isn't anti-money. He is anti-corruption. And we could talk about the parable of the talents and all these verses where Jesus is very obviously not anti-money. He is anti, he is anti-corruption. And his whole, Jesus's whole shtick, if you will, okay, his mandate was just tackle this corruption was to be a so that's the whole concept of the kingdom is to be is to be the social economic answer for the world's version of corruption right oh remind me to come back to romans 8 when we start talking about corruption okay. i want to finish the story about the benches acts chapter 6 okay it says that they were waiting on tables and they had to call the b they had to call the b team in because they got they got too busy they said we're too busy waiting tables we can't do this anymore and again, in Sunday school, you know, we think of the maitre d' or the towel over his arm walking around waiting tables because yeah. that's because that's because that's what it says. Guess what that word table is there? It's the exact same word that Jesus flipped. They that was the bank. They were serving, wow. they were ministering, they were serving at a money exchange table 
in Acts chapter six. Incredible. And the and why were the widows going to them? Because they're the they were the ones with the fair exchange rate. That's why it was. That's why the, it mentions the widows is because the mm. widows were the first ones to go to the people who had the. In fact, I got a I, I got a hunch. Okay, and my yeah. hunch my hunch is the fact that when the widows showed up, um, that the that the guys that the guys who had the scales. Um, uh, you know, when they weighed the money out or whatever, they put the thumb on the other scale. So the widows got the more benefit of the doubt. That's, that's, that's just my hunch. Yeah, that's, yeah. What they, that's what the apostles did because <laughs> uh, they wanted to make sure the widows were taken care of was a, was a, was they put their, so the disciples, so I just blow people's minds someday. I just start off a conversation by, did you join the apostles started their own bank in Acts chapter six? And they're that's like, wild. What? And so I go back and tell them the whole story. And so it's that's out, really what that was. That's what was happening there. Yeah. That, that's what was going on. So, th- so, so, they made a socio-economic impact. There was no doubt in my mind, in, in my mind or their minds, that that's what they were supposed to be doing at the time was making a so because that's what the example that Jesus Jesus was healing for free, Jesus was feeding for free. It was illegal to teach women. Jesus, as a rabbi, because he was called a rabbi, Jesus as a rabbi was teaching women. Okay, that yeah. was that was illegal in the church at the time. So, or wow. in the in the whatever. I don't you want to use the word church? You know what I mean. And yeah, so, exactly. yeah. And so that was illegal. So there's so Jesus was making this crazy, off the wall socioeconomic. That's why he got killed. He didn't kill because he was walking around with his tambourine talking about love and you know talking about love and everybody. No, no. he got he got killed because he was making the Pharisees and Sadducees look like absolute fools and the corrupt idiots that they were. So word of caution, if you decide you want to fight corruption today or then you're going to, you're going to come against opposition, but it's the right, but it's the right thing to do. So let me finish my, let me finish my rant by saying this in Romans chapter eight, we read so much about the, about the, the Holy spirit and about the power of the Holy spirit and about all these things. And Paul spends so much time on the, on the how, but he doesn't spend a whole lot of time on the what. And because of that, when we read it, we don't see the how, we see the what. We see, we are, I mean, we see the how, not the what. Yeah. We see the Holy Spirit. We see all this love stuff. We see all this doing stuff together and, and talks about the power of the Spirit, all these things. But we don't see what well, we don't pay attention. And the reason we don't pay attention to the what is because the people Paul was writing to knew the what. They just kept coming up against opposition, so Paul was telling them how. And the what is very simple. And I, in, the, in the, I don't know, the first few verses of that chapter, I can't remember which one it was, it's very clear where we are, where, where, where the, this whole concept of righteousness yeah. is something that we're supposed to continue to do. You see, it's not works, it's not, it's not right, it's, it's not yeah. salvation by works. Yeah. It's works by salvation. You see, yes. Jesus came to fulfill the law. So when he came to fulfill the law, what he was saying was, okay, now that I'm here, you're free from the bounds of the law, but that doesn't, but but what you get to do now is you get to fulfill the true meaning of the law, which is to do right and do the right thing. So every time it says yeah. that the that says that the that that the that in Proverbs, that stuff that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous, or when it talks about righteousness in, in Romans 8. What it's talking about is literally do the right thing. Yeah. Do the right thing. That's what, the, and what's the right thing? The right thing is to, is to, is to do the right thing, the opposite of what the corrupt people are doing. And that is how, and that's, and that was Jesus' whole, that was his whole methodology was wow. I'm just going to show you how to do it right. I'm going to show you the right way. I'm going to show you the kingdom way, okay? Because when we talk yeah. about kingdom, we don't have any clue what that means. We're still learning. But Jesus is saying, this is the secret to the kingdom. Everything I'm teaching you here is a secret to the kingdom. Romans 8, verse 22 or 23, where it says, yeah. the sons of the, the, the whole, so it literally says this. It says all of creation is groaning for the sons of God, for the sons and daughters, for the children of God. All of creation is begging and groaning and waiting on you, a child of God, to show up. Well, what are they waiting on you to show up to do? They're waiting on you. And literally the King James says, they are expecting you 
to show up and show him something better than corruption. It literally says the word corruption in yeah. the Bible. Okay. And so, so what the, what they're waiting for you to show up and show them that corruption is wrong and show them the better way, the better way to do it. So when okay. we talk about all this kingdom stuff, man, and showing them around and doing sales the right way or doing business the right way. So I could say a whole lot more, but I'm just going to, I'm going to land, I'm going to land the plane on this section of our conversation uh, right here. So, man, there's so much. I'm, I'm like, where do I even go with all that? Because there's just so many, and you're right. There's, uh, that was the reason I was even afraid of sales in the first place. I think uh, actually, because Rick Joyner used to talk about sales being uh, witchcraft. I, I it was like, oh, wait, I don't want to be in sales. I don't want to be in business. I don't want to be manipulative. I don't want to be a part of any soothsaying or any kind of like corrupt way of, you know, persuasion or anything. Uh, you know, and, and so I I avoided it like the plague. I avoided sales like the plague because. Uh, I had to figure out how can I do this in a righteous way? And yeah, that's a, the Lord began to teach me that, yeah, sales can be done. There's actually a kingdom persuasion that he says, be gentle as doves, get wise as serpents. But how are we supposed to be harmless, gentle, and, 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 and loving as doves and innocent as doves, and yet be as wise as a serpent? It's because we're not we're not slithering around for our own personal gain. We're actually, we're finding crafty ways and, and, and shrewd ways, ethically, morally, to actually benefit others, bring the kingdom, bring life and life abundantly, to bring the righteousness, peace, and joy in, in kind of a sly manner at times. We're going to need it. So that's where I suddenly was like, okay, there's actually a kingdom persuasion. And Anyway, I'm kind of ranting now as well, but no, you're yeah. you're, you're 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 right. Lance Walnow uses the term Jehovah Sneaky, and I think we're supposed to be like Jehovah Sneaky. We're supposed to be. He also uses the term Ninja Sheep. Okay, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so no, but but here's here's the bottom line: is that it's our job as as sons of God and sons and daughters of God, children right. of God, whatever phrase you want to use. Yeah, it's our job to do what Jesus did. And show the world the right way that it's supposed to be done, because that's the way to dispel the darkness. That's the way to dispel the corruption is by what? By shining the light in the situation. That's yep. what it is. How do you dispel dark? You dispel darkness by turning the light on. That's yeah. what we're supposed to do. Now, I can tell you this: the darkness doesn't like the light. Yeah, and we all know that. But it's that. But you're right. It's that simple. Where we, where we, you know, and 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 Tim, does the Bible talk about sales? Now, I know you know that it does, but uh, again, I'm going to refer back to my, my good friend, Michael Pink, who says, um, who teaches several things. One of the things he teaches is a Moses questioning strategy, okay, um, that is absolutely amazing. Um, there is uh, uh, something else he teaches is the 31 negotiating tactics in the book of Philemon. If Paul used 31 negotiating tactics to get somebody out of prison in the book of Philemon, I'm pretty sure it's okay for us to negotiate. So. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's just it. There's all these beautiful things in God's word that talk about negotiation and talk about a proper questioning model for yeah. how we're supposed to do sales. So you are absolutely correct. By the way, Rick Joyner is absolutely correct too, because that's what I hated about sales was that I yeah. did not, I, I had no desire to manipulate anybody into buying the product of the week. I had every desire to fulfill somebody's true need. Yes. that And that's right. You're right. Right on about that. Now, one of the things you talked about in your book is that there's these three levels of revival and, and that, uh, you know, we've kind of been in a kind of a revival standpoint, you know, there's different levels and, and we've been seeing that. And then you're talking about that third level or that third wave. And I was wondering if you could just hit on that briefly for a moment so that people can say like, okay, you've kind of laid a framework and a foundation for everything, but where's this all going? That's a great, that's a great question. And I, and I, I struggled with this because when God gives me some brand new concept, I'm like, okay, God, you're really going to help me through, help me through this. Because if this is something you're really dropping into my spirit and what I call level three revival, um, if this is, if this is something, God, you really gonna have to help me explain this. And so he's like, okay, no, I'll do better than explain it. I'll give you examples. So uh, level one revival, Old school revival, tent revival, yeah. bottom line is this, is that you had to go someplace. You had to go to revival 
you went forward at the end of the service. Okay. Yeah. And we'll call this two things. We'll call this speaker centric revival, or -hmm. we'll call it destination Christianity, where you have to go someplace or do something, or you go forward at the end. And so the whole premise of revival is, is based on how many people come forward at the end of the service. Not saying this is anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that's only the first level. The second level still kind of still still happens under the umbrella of the church or under the tent or in the church building. Um, And we start seeing this more and more where um, instead of just a speaker, um, now you have prayer teams, you have, uh, you know, I've been in churches several times recently where people will say, okay, now you turn around and you all pray for each other. And so now they're equipping the saints in the church. Um, and, and, uh, um, so that's kind of level two where you don't have to necessarily go forward. Um, it's not speaker centric, um, but it's still, it's still location centric. It's still what I refer to as destination Christianity, where you still have to kind of go someplace to see this happen. When we break free of destination Christianity, in other words, when we realize that God is the exact same God at the end of the service on Sunday morning as he is at the beginning of work on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we realize that God wants to show up and show out in your business, when we realize that God wants your business to succeed so that he can be glorified, when we realize that God wants to use you in business to bring yeah. a message to bring a message to somebody so that he is glorified so that people find so that people find him when we realize that these kingdom principles that are again that are anti-corruption are meant to be in the marketplace so that we can shine yeah. a light on the darkness and point people to the true light when we realize that that's what we're supposed to be doing and that all these things that happen on Sunday morning, because now we're talking about Acts 2, we're talking about all the supernatural, because all that supernatural stuff that took place in Acts chapter 2 was yeah. under the umbrella of a marketplace, a marketplace of ideas, a marketplace of religion, a marketplace of commerce is where yeah. all that stuff took, all the Pentecost took place in a marketplace. And so that, and so when we realize that it's not about the church building. It's not even about the church. doesn't mean churches are going to go away. doesn't mean home groups are going to go away. Those are yeah. all places of equipping. Those are all right. places of equipping so that we can, so you can turn you loose. Now, I want to make one really quick disqualifier here, okay? Because what I'm not talking about is I'm not talking about, and some of you will know exactly what I mean. This is not talking about a treasure hunt at Walmart. Right. <laughs> this is not talking about you going out with a yeah. group of Christians to Walmart one day and looking for people to pray for. That's right. still that is still destination Christianity because you're going someplace to do to do Christianity. Okay. Right. Christianity is not something you go someplace to do. Christianity is something you be. That's and, so good, man. And that's where, and it's in that's every, it. every email. And I'm not perfect at this, please. But every yeah. email you write, every phone call that you have, every sales mm. meeting that you take place, every sales meeting that take place, when we realize that God is interested in all of that. Why? Because he loves us. Why? Because, because it's our job to see him glorified. Okay. Yeah. Why? Because he wants people to know and come and love him. Okay. When we realize, and that's level three, level three is all this stuff is, is healing and revival, if you will, breaking out in the marketplace without, without the, without the boundaries of the four walls or the boundaries for the necessity of a pastor or the boundaries for necessity of a lot of things. It's what the disciples did where they said, Oh no, we're just going to go do what Jesus did. And we're going to go do this. And that's why when we realize yeah. the commerce that took place in X two, we realize why it's so key is because if we're all looking for revival. And the bottom line is this, is that the way the church in today's world is looking for revival, they're looking, they're measuring it by the number. They're, they're, and again, None of this is wrong, and I appreciate everybody who's done this, okay? Yeah. I want to I shout out to anybody in Kansas City or Toronto or, or, or Brownsville or any place else where revival has broken out or today yeah. in San Diego or where any, where any revival where people are, or Tampa where people are measuring things by number of days. 
I want to commend you and I want to thank you for your dedication for everything, for everything that you're doing. But, but revival is not measured in necessarily measured in number of days that an event takes place. Yeah. Okay. Right. Revival is measured by discipling nations. It's measured That's by it. fulfilling the great commissions measured by by discipling culture and making a change in culture by shining the light, by shining the light on the darkness. Does that mean we're going to get our hands dirty? Absolutely. Are we going to get our hands dirty? You can't, you can't try to culture yeah. politics or culture or, or culture business or, or, or learn how to, anyway, you can't learn, you can't do any of those things without getting your hands dirty. No. Um, and so, so that's level three. That to me is level three revival. And that's when we'll see true. And another key word here, is perpetual revival because um because we have to um and a lot of church leaders aren't going to like it because it's going to look sloppy and there's going to be mistakes made and people are going to say things wrong um and but here's the crazy thing Hmm. why was it necessary for anybody in the new testament to point out hey don't go, those people over there, yeah, they're healing people, but they're not doing it. They're not doing it in the name of Jesus. Well, why was it important to point that out? It was important, it was important to point that out because there was so much healing going on in the name of Jesus. That's why. Yeah. Because there was so much good going on. There was so much happening that the that 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 some of the false leaders had to be. And so we spent all this time focusing on what the false leaders are doing. Yeah. Get that. I had in fact, I'll leave you with this. I had a sales manager tell me years ago. Um, and uh um, in fact, at this company, I think my largest, I think my largest uh uh commission one month for this particular company was was uh um made $16,000 one month. Okay. So, but, and that, that was a long time ago. Yeah. $16,000 actually meant something, but I had a very, <laughs> very, very wise sales manager. And I said, yeah. well, I said, well, we're, you know, what's it, what's it, we're changing some stuff. You know, I said, I'm concerned that we're changing some stuff and I'm not sure that everything I've done previously is going to work. I'm just going to have to go out and, and, and start all over again. And he goes, Tim, it's exactly right. You go out and you make a mess. Okay, you go out and you sell as much as you can and you go make a mess and don't worry about the back office. We'll figure out how to we'll figure out how to how to how to fulfill the sales. Okay, once we get once once we get the sales in. So you go make a big you go make as big a mess as you can and we'll clean it up and we'll clean it up here at the at the home office. You know what? And that's that's what that's what God wants us to do. That's what Jesus. That's why that's what Jesus wants to do. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. God's saying, go make a mess of this world go turn some go turn some proverbial tables over by doing good. yes go, go start your own go start your own tables go do your own thing go show me who go show the world who i am by showing what's right and what's good so that people will flock to it and then on the back side yeah we'll make some mistakes along the way um but what we'll do is is god's god said you know what i've got everything figured out in the home office that's awesome that's good well, you've shared just a wealth. I mean, there's so much to dig into. I would encourage anybody listening to uh, re-listen to this because there's just so much in here. And uh, Tim, where can they find you? You know, you, you got your books on Amazon. Uh, and then is there anything else that you'd like to share? If anybody is is wanting to look you up, what can they do? I tell you what, the best the, the best way to get in contact with me, my, my organization is called God's Business Revolution. Um, so you can go to godsbusinessrevolution.com. If that's too hard to remember, I just tell people this, God loves business. Okay, go to godlovesbusiness.com, godlovesbusinessrevolution.com. Go to one of those web addresses. You'll find, you'll find me there. Um, okay. There'll be links to social media there where you can find me and follow me on social media on that page. So um, godlovesbusiness.com. And I think even maybe godlovesbiz.com. I can't remember. I've got all these websites. Okay. I don't know what they are. But yeah. you go, you go, you go, you go find, you go, you go, go, go search some of that stuff or even my name, Tim Porter, and some stuff will, some stuff will pop up um, and you'll, and you'll find me. Connect with me on okay. the website um, and you can get, you can, there's links to the books on the website. There's links to the social media on the website. And so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and drop some links in the, in the show notes as well. So people can just okay. click on that and go right over there. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you hopping on here. 
so, so good. We're definitely going to need to have you back on. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God's doing through you in the coming days. So bless you, man. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Blessings to you. Thanks for listening today. If you've been impacted by this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and join our growing community of spirit-filled sales professionals and entrepreneurs on Facebook. You can also connect with Will on Instagram or TikTok at Will Rest.